My name's Troy, and I have the joy of being the worship minister here at Plum Creek. I've looked forward to sharing this message with you as we continue in our Moving Forward series. And uh, it comes right out of Acts chapter 10 today, and it's such a cool story. I think the best way to communicate it is just to read it to you. So Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked, and the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who had spoke with him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, they were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being lowered down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up into heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, and they stopped at the gate. They called out, asking us if Simon, who was known as Peter, was there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, said to the men I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met them and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. And while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any object objection. May I ask why you sent for me? 
And Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and he has remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead and on the third day had caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God has already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he's the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is such a cool story out of Acts chapter 10. So how does it apply to us today? What's in my heart as I've prayed for God to help me speak what needs to be spoken? I believe we're in a very unique window in time where the message of Jesus is possibly needed more than ever before in our lifetime. There's a lot of unrest in our world right now. This pandemic has caused life to change in so many ways, and there is tension and turmoil surrounding George Floyd's death and our society as a whole as we deal with one another. Can you feel the division in our world? Our world needs help, and I believe God is calling us to be bold to speak about the love of Jesus, and I believe you personally are a part of the solution. God knew that you would be listening today. So will you ask him to open your eyes to what he wants you to see and that you will have a willingness and a boldness to do what he directs you to do? I'm convinced more and more and more that the good news is really good. The good news of the gospel is exactly what people need to hear. I want to be effective at sharing that with every single person that I can, but there are some barriers that I want to discuss for the next few minutes 
and some ways I believe that we are being called to overcome those barriers. Now, the world has a way of putting us into a box. It, it has a way of putting us into different categories of where we most likely seem to fit. And maybe there are things that separate us from, from different people groups in this world. It can be the color of our skin. It can be our upbringing. It may be our financial status, our poverty or wealth, or the perception of that, our social class. It may be our sexual orientation. It may be our outlook on life or how we view what's important. It certainly can be what we believe about God or religion or how to treat people. Now, I don't claim to have all the answers, and I don't, I don't understand where every person is coming from in these difficult situations. But in the wake of George Floyd's death, one thing I do know is that we need to be listening to each other. People need to be heard they need to know someone cares and that someone's listening to them and that someone wants to, to help and bring solutions and love them and not ignore how they're feeling. Now, this is a huge issue and every it's a very timely issue here in our world these last few weeks. I would ask you to think about Acts chapter 10 in light of our present day divisions. The death of George Floyd is only one example of a situation that people are divided over. What happened to him was horrible. It was wrong. And yet when I read comments from people on opposing sides of the issue and I see the hate and the outrage that one group has towards the other and vice versa, it breaks my heart to see the hate spewed at one another. I see that, taint, that same type of division in many people's response to Donald Trump's presidency. I see it because of how the media, whichever side you prefer, reports things with such bias, with such negativity. I mean, the political ads, they're practically begging us to fight about who we want to win. And it only escalates this energy that, that makes it natural for this hostility to arise, almost a, a hatred for the people who feel differently than I do, whatever side I choose. And COVID-19, I mean, what's really true? Should we really be afraid? Or should we stay huddled inside our homes? Or do we just throw the masks away and not worry about wearing them? Well, I can tell you there's a lot of opinions on both sides of that camp that I know of, and I can see a lot of ugly, hateful things being said about the other side, whatever side you may fall on. As I said, I don't have all the answers, and maybe right now you're thinking, well, why don't we get somebody to preach that has the answers? My point is, people have different opinions. People are different, and therefore, there is going to be conflict. We can't decide for everyone else how they're going to feel or respond. And when this conflict happens, sometimes we, we personally may not have that much knowledge about what the conflict is about. And when we weigh in on one side or the other very strongly, it can come across as hateful. And I don't think that pleases our Lord. So what I want to look at for the last few minutes of our time is how can the church be the voice of Jesus in this day and age? Here's the thing. I don't think what 
the people around you need from you is for you to have all the answers about what the next steps are to fix the problems in a society where a white police officer dug his knee into a black man's neck until he died. I don't think what the people around you need from you is to be able to convince them of your side of a political argument. I don't think what the people around you need from you is for you to be able to share your opinion with skill and convincing words to get them to come around to your way of thinking on how to handle every angle of every possible situation for how a family or an individual or a church should be responding in every situation presented by COVID-19. And that changes every day. I don't think anyone from the LGBTQ community needs me to point a finger of judgment and says, well, God doesn't like what you're doing. I don't think what the people around you need from you, if they are practicing a different religion or have different sets of values or practice no faith of any kind, I don't think what they need from you are words of judgment, striving to win the argument so you can prove your point and shove the facts as you see them down their throat. Now, please stick with me on this. There may be some things I say that are going to be hard to hear, but I'm honestly convicted about how people outside the church feel judged by Christians. So please don't put up a wall of defense and try to argue against me. Just hear me out and then ask God, would you have me do something with this? Would you have me change something because of this? How do, you, how do you think people outside of the church feel about Christians? What do you think people outside the church feel from Christians? This may be uncomfortable. And it's not my intention to pick on Christ followers. It's, it's not my purpose to put down the, the Christian community. You're not going to find me picking out names of people who have done things wrong. I just want you to understand there's a perception from people outside of the church about us. And we bear some degree of responsibility for our image problem. It's not helpful to assign blame to individuals who have made mistakes. It's, it's about all of us and how society views the church. We really don't have any business looking outside of these walls with, with an, any kind of attitude that I'm better than you. You see, I've got my own plate pretty full just handling my own life, battling my own sins without judging how those people over there are doing. And let me just say, if you're a guest with us and you're not too sure about the whole church thing or even not too sure about the whole God thing, if you have ever been outside of Christianity and ever felt put down or judged by Christians, condemned, I just want to say, we're sorry. I'm sorry. We're sorry for any ways that we have made you feel less than, made you feel judged or felt anything but love or friendship from us. We're sorry. And if you don't hear anything else today, please hear this. God loves you and he wants to be your friend. He created you to be in a relationship with him and he sent his only son to earth for you to accomplish that. And you were invited into that relationship and we want to help you into that. And sometimes we mess it up. 
and we're sorry. We want to do better. We're trying to to love like Jesus loved. And if anyone needs to take a step closer to Jesus, to get to know him in a personal way, you can start that today. And I would be honored to talk with anyone about taking a step closer to Jesus. And I'd be honored to just have a conversation with you about your life. But for those of us inside the church, in a love relationship with Jesus, how do we view those outside the church? How do we view those outside of a relationship with Jesus? Do we judge them? Do we love them? Really? I am amazed at my own capacity for self-righteousness and judgment. I hope we'll consider how firmly people reject and feel rejected by Christians. And I hope that today you will go away feeling inspired with ways you can make a difference. Our goal is to help those outside of a relationship with Jesus to reconsider the person of Jesus Christ. And many of them have no problem with Jesus. They like Jesus. But they have a problem with Christianity, with Christians who have hurt them or judged them. And we've got to do our part to fix that right here, right now in northern Kentucky. Christians make a lot of mistakes, and often those costly errors and arrogant attitudes undermine our deep desire that Jesus would become vividly real to someone else. And those of us who are Christians can probably all think of conversations that we've had that, that stole a part of God's reputation because we have reduced the Christian message to a who is more right argument. I know I have done that, and I'm sorry. It's not about who is more right. Jesus' life is the starting point at which our lives can really begin. A life to be lived in a loving relationship with, with him, with the author of life that we were created and placed on this earth for. He loves us. And this is the Jesus I want to represent to those who are outside of a relationship with him. I want them to discover a God of love who will give their life meaning and purpose. This is the Jesus I want to describe. They don't need us to judge them. The world needs to see his love for them. They don't need us to somehow say with words or actions, well, well Jesus doesn't like people who live like that. That's a lie. Jesus loves everyone, even you. And what have you done? Even me, and what have I done? Bad stuff, all of us. Do I somehow think I'm better, more deserving? No, we've got to love them where they are, and that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Look at Peter and Paul and as they ministered and they started the church telling all kinds of people about their Savior, and Paul called himself the worst of sinners. I mean, he was approving of the killing of Christians before Jesus came crashing into his life and, and changed him. Paul was a changed man. That's just what Jesus does. He changes us. And is there anyone in our lives who doesn't deserve and need Jesus' love and forgiveness and therefore doesn't need our love and forgiveness?
I'm convinced that we have spent way too much time and energy judging people and not nearly enough time and effort and energy loving people just as they are right where they are in the midst of their sin in the midst of their pain confusion their messy addictions sexual indiscretions drinking family issues lifestyle differences religious affiliation political opinions choices Jesus loves them and we must love them and show them the ways of our loving Heavenly Father and I'm asking myself and I'm pleading with you church can we take a step to do better would Jesus have us do better at this are you willing to make the necessary changes to make this happen in your life in Acts chapter 10, we see this beautiful story of how God showed Peter without a doubt that all people, regardless of race or background or differences, were welcome in the kingdom of God. That hasn't changed. And if anyone, I mean anyone, will come to Jesus and seek his forgiveness and, and accept them as their savior, they can be saved and changed and taken into heaven for eternity in a relationship with God because he loves them. That's our message to carry. So I pray that today can be a reminder to put the lesser things aside and focus on this. What would Jesus do? He would love. And just like Peter, when God called him, he didn't hesitate to leave the home where he was staying and go with strangers to a place that he was unfamiliar with, to somebody he didn't have that much in common with. And today's message is clear right out of God's word. The good news of Jesus is for everyone. And our challenge today, Plum Creek, is to begin a relationship with someone who is different than you. I'm not sure what that looks like for you, but will you pray with me that God would open a wide and effective door for you to share the good news about Jesus with someone who's different than you? It may be as simple as you being on opposite sides of the political aisle. I mean, if you had to battle those horrible, hateful, ugly feelings toward others who think differently than you do, maybe it has to do with racial tension and you're thinking, well, I'm not a racist, but I have begun to listen more closely to how people of color have been treated differently than I have. I want to listen more. I want to know people. I want to know what they're feeling and let them feel what they feel. Let them be heard and I want to love them. Is there someone who views life through a different lens than I do? I mean, religion or sexual orientation or politics or morals. I want to be their friend and know them just because. And I want to love them deeply. Jesus loves them and I want to love them just to get to know them and hear their story. I don't want to judge them or push them away before I even give them a chance to know Jesus' love. And maybe through that, maybe my love and encouragement can be the first step for them. Maybe your listening ear, even to someone who is different than you, is just what's needed. And I have found that Jesus has a way of sorting out all the complications and differences. Once, once they see who Jesus is, and if they give their life to him, his love changes everything. If you're a Christ follower, you know his love changes everything. And it's why we're here. It's what we're here for. It's what they need. Let's be the church. Let's look for opportunities to walk alongside people no matter what they're dealing with, the sin, the messiness of life, and let's just love them. 
I'm going to close with these scriptures and I'm pleading with you to pray. Ask God to open your eyes to someone around you who needs his love and then love them just as they are. Right where they are. And let God's incredible love come into their life and do what he does. Change and heal and transform and restore. That's who our God is. That's the message that we get to carry. John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Romans 13, 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. And Ephesians 4, 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. So our action step this week, begin a relationship with someone who is different than you. Look for ways to encourage them as you get to know them and you get to know their story and ask God to help you communicate his love for them. Let's be the church. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we're asking for your help in this. May we represent your son, Jesus, well. May your love flow through us to others. And may they see how much you love them. Help us be the church. We ask it in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.